The following program is intended for mature audiences. You're listening to Bottom Shelf Recording Talk. Sounds boring. Oh my, yeah. With your hosts, James Seabrook. Okay, you were paying attention, but the idea is clear in my head, but translating it into English is not. That's brutal. I understand the hypocrisy. And Joey Roach. I don't even know what you do. I was just told you were the man. Some people would say I'm overconfident. That could be my ego talking, though. I'm trying to think of the right word. Oh. Yeah. Must be a tough word. Next subject. Uh, you're bored with this one? You don't hear us gassing on about it. Give you in the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. By the way, you know, when you're when you're telling these little stories, you have a big mouth. Here's a good idea. What are you even talking about? Have a point. Why are you airing personal matters with complete strangers? It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. <laughs> I I can sympathize with your brain deadness. Wow. Yesterday, as I left here, it was a long day. Yeah. Long night followed by some maintenance and some cleanup afterwards. So I was pretty spent by the time I got out of here. I'd use the can as I normally do before I leave for the drive home. Got home, had a conversation face-to-face with an old man, and then realized as I'm walking away from him that my fly is open and my belt is wide open undone. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I must have looked wonderful. <laughs> must have. Uh, um, ah. So, yes. So, I'm just brain dead because, like, wedding season's starting, and it's just, like, at work five days a week, and I'll get, like, three or four of those people who are like, we're having a wedding in two months, and we want to reserve it. And I have to explain to them, like, it is way too soon for me to reserve <laughs> anything for you. Yeah. But... I can do this thing called a request and tell you how much you'll be looking into roughly how much you'll be spending with us. What's the, um, what's the maximum reserve time? Like, in, uh, we in, in don't advance? do holds, uh, more than five days in advance. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh man. Which usually it boils down to Monday, Tuesday, give us a call for that weekend. And which, which would freak brides and grooms out because they have to have their weddings planned yeah, but in advance. Most of them, it's like, oh, I want speakers and a mixer. It's like, okay. Yeah. You don't no, need sure. to hold that. For sure. We're going to have it. We'll make it work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and like a lot of times I'll be talking to the bride and grooms and be like, And I would have to say things along the lines of like, I've been working here for a year and a half. I've been in this department for that entire time. And in that entire time, I have never ran out of speakers to give someone. Because I haven't. Sometimes I have to be creative and have to explain to the people that I'm giving speakers to how to use a certain system because it's a little more than just plug in and go. Because all of those systems were the first to go. Right, and then now because you're on like the the back of the yeah the list, it's the just like the bay. now I have to show you how a passive speaker works with an active mixer. <laughs> yeah, or if you were you need to have your what is it passive mixer? Well, now I have to show you how a power amplifier needs to be in between that and your passive speakers (laughs) 
Yeah. No, they, they should just, they should just not. No, I, I mean, not, it's not rocket science, right? No. It should be easy for most people once you explain it to them. But. Well, yeah, most people get it. Last, yeah. or yesterday, I had a phone call after I had rented a guy some stuff because he, he, he needed some stuff for, uh, I don't know, some kind of sales event that he's doing in an old car lot or something like that. And so I was just like, I, I showed him how to use the gear before I rented it to him. Right. But then he called later and he's like, I'm not getting any audio. So I was just like, okay, on the back of the speakers, have you cranked up the volume? Yes. Okay. On the mixer, you've cranked the volume slider? Yes. Okay. Now, there's a red knob at the very top there. Where is that positioned? All the way down. Okay, turn that up. Oh, now I'm getting red lights and it sounds terrible. Okay, turn everything down until you get no red lights. Go to the back of the speaker and turn that up. Oh my God, you're a genius. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) And of course, you're the modest one. Oh yeah. I had one of those conversations on Sunday too. Liam, the new rentals guy, said something along the lines of like, Oh, you're so modest. And it wasn't me who said it, but one of our other coworkers, he's like, oh yeah, I'm the most modest. (laughs) (laughs) And then I had to tell a story of like how when people say things like that, I'm pretty much the same, except I actually mean it when I say I'm awesome. (laughs) 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 Oh, Jesus. Excuse me, goodness. As Mary says, she doesn't want to ever give me compliments because it feeds my ego. And that doesn't need to be fed. <laughs> that is a plump little baby over in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's not plump and it's not a little baby. <laughs> it's one of those it's one of those beasts that needs to be it's hoisted a with a crane and <laughs> knock out the knock out the wall to get it outside. Um, as the introduction says that might be my ego talking right yes well and and i've been making i've been compiling a list of your greatest hits um so that i can you know eventually one day maybe remake the intro my greatest hits of like the ego not just the ego but just awesome things you've said (laughs) yeah so that's probably gonna be in there (laughs) I might make Except I might I make an entire say I'm awesome. <laughs> I might make an entire extra episode of just shit Joey says. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if our <laughs> listeners would like that, but <laughs> I don't know. That. I think you get more of a kick out of that than anyone else. And you know, who else do we do this for? <laughs> so just you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cuz you don't listen to the podcast anymore, do you? Not really. Yeah. There you go. Mostly because I have these conversations and I just listen back to them. It's it's painful. Not painful. It's just, <clears throat> I'd probably listen to the podcast if it was like a couple weeks have passed since I've listened to the conversation. Right. Well, and, and, and that's where I am. Like I'm, I'm just coming to the end of November right now, mm. which I mean, that's four months back. Right. Yeah. Um, I could probably do it that way, but I'm, I'm pretty good on top of my podcasts at the moment. I think I have like maybe four 
episodes that I haven't listened to, although I just recently found a new podcast, and with that one, I'm like 200 episodes behind. <laughs> Which one? Uh, it's called Turtle Soup. Oh, yeah. It's just a podcast about the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And it's like two guys are actually reading from issue one, and then they're just going to the current. They're actually reading it? Yeah, they're reading everything. Oh, wow. Or watching like the, the movies and stuff. And are, they they, get, are they at least providing commentary? Yeah. Right. Yeah, like the first one was the most in-depth one, but they right. were like going like panel per panel on the first issue and we're like commenting on the art and the writing and how cheesy it is or like, cool. Oh, they're at least in a it's, car chase. They just killed like six cops. At least it's a, uh, yeah. Right. At least it's a um, commentary. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that I'd be interested in just to read. Cause I can read. It oh, myself, right? They read it before they have the podcast and then they, they yeah. comment on th- that issue. That makes sense. For like an hour or something like, like that. Right. Where I'm at, they're get, starting to get to the point where like there's three comic books going on at once. Okay. So, you know, now their commentary is going to condense a little bit. Fair enough. And usually by the time like they're done going through the entire issue, they'll be at, okay, what's your final thoughts of this issue? Right. So, yeah. I'm, I have so many podcasts that I want to be paying attention to. I just don't have time to pay attention to them all. I've been getting rid of some of the ones that I haven't been listening to. Well, and, and that's, that's the point that I'm, that I'm finally at is I'm starting to, <clears throat> I'm starting to weed them down. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, there's just too many. Yeah. I, I, I used have, to follow the Neil deGrasse Tyson one, but I've kind of stopped because he has a co-host that I can't stand. <laughs> Yeah. Like I, I love listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson because he's like a super smart guy yep. and it's just, it's interesting to just listen to him talk about things. But then he has a co-host who's just, yeah, I have yep. no interest in listening to that. Yeah. That's fair. I, um, yeah. I'm realizing now my, uh, my iTunes and my, um, well, maybe it's updating. I don't know. My iTunes and my, um, my cell phone aren't communicating via my podcast. So I'm going to have to. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway. My cell phone doesn't have them. I, I, I have my iPad. Oh, you can load them. got them on, on your iPad. Yeah. I, so. Um, I was racking my brain trying to figure out what to talk about today. That's a little more tech wise. Okay. I had a band in on the weekend. Okay. You know what? I can't remember what my Saturday was, but my Sunday was entertaining. <laughs> oh yeah. So Saturday, Saturday I was at a, I was working at a conference. Not very interesting. A okay. corporate job. I had, <clears throat> you know what? Actually, uh, yeah, it was, it was a corporate gig. It was a leadership conference put on by Dexio, and I still am not 100% sure what or who they are. They seem like very nice people, and it was a helpful leadership conference, um, but, and the, the speakers were, were pretty fantastic. So this is like a, a conference of like how to be I a don't know. manager? I or? really don't know. Like, I, I, I spent nine and a half hours there 
And I still am not sure what the point of the conference was other than all of these, all of these speakers were speaking. Well, there were two, two speakers that were, two speakers that were um, kind of giving the story of their company. Okay. And three speakers that were talking about leadership and perseverance. And they were all, they were all pretty good. Um, very inspiring stuff. Not the point that I wanted to address. Mm-hmm. So I got in an, in a mild argument and I really contained myself because I felt like the guy was talking shit out of his ass and it stank horribly. And I really just wanted to like throw him against the wall and have him stick there like Velcro because mm. I was so annoyed with him. So <clears throat> podium mics have two podium mics. They're two condenser mics. Those yeah. long skinny things. With, with goosenecks. Yeah. Goosenecks. And they, and they sit side by side. Yeah. Theoretically in phase. Hopefully. I don't know. And this is where the, this is where the argument starts is he's telling me because I don't know that you can't have both microphones on at the same time or you have phase issues. And I actually stopped breathing for a moment. The statement is so ridiculous to me that I actually had to think through the process of, is this guy telling, like, is, is this guy having right? phase issues? No. There's this button that inverts the, the phase polarity, of one I of know. them. Oh yeah. my God. The phase issues are less all of a sudden. Well, it, and, and, and that's what I was trying to tell him is, is the only possible way that there could be a phase issue with those is if the polarity is reversed, which means something's been wired incorrectly and that's fine. That's what the button's for. Mm-hmm. And if the button doesn't fix it, if the polarity button on your console doesn't fix the phase problem, then you have to be monumentally retarded and use like a 500 foot cable on one and a 20 foot cable on the other. Like, fuck. Anyway, so the guy argued with me five, eight minutes about this mm-hmm. before he started to change his tune. And then he started to correct himself. He says, well, no, maybe, I think the real issue is just with two microphones. It's too loud. I'm like, then well, turn then it turn down. the fuck down. <laughs> I was just, it was just boggling my mind. Is and this then, like another tech? Uh, he's another event? tech. He's a Grant McEwen grad. Recent from, Grant McEwen grad? Uh, probably. He's closer to your, he's closer to your age, I would guess. Like I would guess he's right around 30. And so that could So put he him, should have the experience. And, and he's, he's the head tech for this particular company that hired me to do this corporate gig. Okay. Right. Anyway, so, <clears throat> so then... Then he goes on by saying that it's best to only use one microphone because if, if um, you have two microphones up and one of them dies, then there's a drastic change in sound. What? <laughs> I know. No, you should have two microphones because if one dies, you at least have the backup going. Already. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, uh, it was just, it was, it was one of the, and then was, if there is a change in volume, oh, there's this great thing called the volume fader. You yeah. can 
push up. And if that's not enough, turn up the gain. Like, oh my God. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah, it, was, it's it was, it was so monumentally stupid. <clears throat> and it, it was, it was at that point, it was at that point that I realized I'm never going to have a conversation about anything that I do with this individual because <clears throat> he's going to find a way to, to, to say you're wrong, to say I'm wrong and to think less about me, which will spread around. Cause he's, he works a lot. Like he's a, he's a, he's a full-time audio AV, AV guy um, that works more than just AV. He does, he does a lot of live mixing for bands too. <clears throat> and I mean, not the kind of guy I want to have on my bad side, especially if he's already that monumentally stupid. Because mm. just stopping to think about it, would, makes me he could he should be able if to. I know who you're talking about. I think I know who you're talking about. I'm not going to say names though. Yeah, no. Um, the, the name is is irrelevant, right? Yeah, it is irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, and and it was it, he was he was one of those people that because he was the head tech, I'd given him a certain bit of of credibility. And, and respect because of that. And he was, he seems like a, an intelligent person. He otherwise seems to know what he's talking about for the most part. <clears throat> Travels around with two Phoenix flight cases on wheels with handles filled with extra gear and bits and baubles in his laptop and, and more turnarounds and connectors and adapters and tools and blah, blah, blah. Like he seems... Pre- super prepared, mm-hmm. but to 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 be this misinformed over something so fundamentally easy to understand is sounds phase. weird to have, especially for a tech to say like, "Let's use one microphone." It, like, it's just weird, especially if he's used to doing live sound. It's just like. No, you should have a backup. Yeah. And for like corporate gigs, like you should definitely have a backup because I, I thought that was the whole point. I thought that those was guys have... get m- more mad than a band would ever get mad at you yeah. if something were to fail. Exactly. If something fails and in the middle of the band set, they'll adjust for it while you go and fix it. Yeah. And you, you, if you get to fix it before their set's done, they're usually like, okay, good job, man. Yeah, thanks for fixing that problem. Corporate gig, that problem should be solved the moment it happens because that's well, it, how they think about yeah, it. Exactly, right? And, and I mean, it, it, just, it just made sense to me that you have both of them running. Sure, it's louder. Turn it down. No big deal. That's what the fucking faders are for to control the volume so that it's not an issue. Anyway, or at the he, very least, you can have one muted if it's such a big deal to you that you. Well, and, and I mean, that's, but still have both running so that if one fails, and they were both they were both running like they were both wired into the console. They were sitting side by side to the two faders on the console. They was very clear which one was which, and there was no reason. There was just no reason to to expect him to to say like. You have to have one off, or there's going to be problems. I, he also he also told me an interesting little story about a. I think he said it was the former Chili Peppers live sound guy. Mm-hmm. And this as well, 
I'd like, I'd actually like your opinion on this because I've had to think myself through this and the logical arguments are being doubted in my brain. Because, Just because he said former chili peppers engineer. Exactly. So I don't, I, I don't, I don't know who the guy is. Conversations with grain of salts when somebody says former band, well, yeah, and then exactly, engineer. Right? It's just like you don't even know the guy's name. Well, no, he he told me the name. Oh, okay, yeah, he told me the name. I just don't know who it is. Okay, uh, I'd, I'd never heard of the guy. So what this guy apparently does is he has two microphones inside the kick drum. Okay, which on its own doesn't sound so uh, unique. Apparently what he does, and after watching, after watching this, um, this mastering video on midside this morning, um, I'm even more suspect of this practice, but that doesn't mean, cause I've seen, I've seen live sound guys, especially like old live sound guys do some crazy retarded things. And I, even, even at a young age recognize that that's dumb and inefficient. Why the hell would you, anyway, so, so what this guy does is he takes these two microphones that are inside the kick drum and I would hope that they're phase aligned, but he, the guy telling me the story didn't mention that. So you take these two kick drum microphones and pans them hard left and hard right in order to create more impact in the stereo systems that he's working in. It shouldn't make a difference. Well, it should make a huge difference. Like that should actually minimize your impact because you're taking two independent signals and panning them left and right, which according to this mastering video well, wait. reduces reduces impact reduces well, the, the, the perception would, of it there would be places where like all of a sudden that kick drum mic is no longer in phase it, w- it would absolutely happen that's right yeah thinking about it now yeah so that that sounds incredibly inefficient just right just take one mic because that's that's the whole thing about about a mono signal in a stereo field. If you pan that mono signal up the middle, it should be equal left and right. Whereas this case, he's taking two independent mono signals. He's panning one hard left and one hard right, which is creating a gap in the middle because there's going to be some sort of fight between those two. Yeah, there's going to be places in the crowd that can't hear that mic. And if that is your main... kick drum sound like you just sucked out all the low end for those spots yeah now i could totally understand if if it was a dual mic like dual kick drum like two kick drums and you want to pan them a little left and right like i can understand that probably still sum them to mono that would make more sense but send out to the system but i don't know so I mean that still makes more sense if it was two separate kick drums. Mm-hmm. I just personally I would sum those two kick drums to mono because that would probably have more impact, right, in the stereo field. At least according to my experience with acoustic acoustic theory suggests that stere- uh, signals in mono should have more impact unless you're sitting perfectly in the, the right perfect spot for the stereo image. Yeah. The moment you pull yourself out of that, that sweet spot for the stereo image, stereo signals have less impact. Yeah. Cause they go out of phase. They go out of phase. Their, 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 their mix relationship changes because you're not in the sweet spot anymore. Yeah. 
Like if you're closer to the left speaker, you're going to hear more of what's in that speaker than what's yep. in the right. Yep. Thus and for live sound, God knows, I so usually many of just us, work in mono. It's so much easier, right? I used to, um, I used to only set up live rigs in stereo at the request of the whatever sound guy. Okay. Um, and I, I mean, I'd, I'd always have them wired in stereo because I'd, I'd need, I'd need left side of the amp, right side of the amp to run the subs, <sighs> left side of the amp, right side of the amp to run the mids, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I'd always have the, uh, I'd always have the crossover, um, set in mono. Yeah. Right. So it would just, it would just sum whatever left and right signal is coming out of the console crossover and go. And it was an easy, it was an easy switch to, you know, take it out of mono and, and it becomes a stereo system. But I'd only ever do it if the, if the mixer, if the house guy was. I've, I've had guys renting equipment from me and asking for advice for live sound. And like, they would ask for panning advice and stuff like that. And I would, I would always be like, okay, this is a live gig. Don't worry about panning. Just pan everything center. They're like, What? Just and like I had to explain to him, like, do you want everybody to hear what's going on? Pan in the center, because yeah. if you have your guitar on the left and your bass on the right, like people who are closer to the right speaker are going to hear nothing but bass. People that are closer to the left are going to hear no bass. They're just going to hear that guitar. So just have the same signal going out of both speakers. Yeah, I I even try to. Um with my students here at the studio, I try to reinforce the value of doing, I don't know, what is it? 80, 90% of your mix in mono. And then when you get to the end, when you're, when, when you have all the levels working right, when you have all the masking taken care of all that stuff, that's the point to, you know, to pan into stereo sure. because you're going to instantly, have you're gonna you're gonna take a, a something that's awesome in mono suddenly become grand in stereo assuming people listen in stereo but yeah sure i mean that that's one way to go about it i i, I don't really do mono mixing when i'm doing records and stuff like I, i'll check and see like how much am i losing right because i i know i'm gonna lose the moment I, i'm working in stereo i'm losing something the moment it goes into mono i know that and, and I'll, I'll check mono just to see and make sure that I'm not losing the key a huge portion of the song. Right. Like if I go into mono, do I still hear everything that's important for the song? Yeah. Okay. Sounds less impactful. Sure. But I mean, whatever. Yeah, I, my best mixes have always been the mixes that I forgot I was mixing in mono. Those have always been my best mixes. Yeah. I don't like doing mono because if I do it in the DAW, then all of a sudden I print it out and then people are going like, why doesn't it sound very wide? And then it's just like, oh, because I had mono pushed on <laughs> uh, yeah, the yeah, console. Yeah. You know, I, I have the advantage of having that mono switch on the outside. You do too, though. Aren't you running through a big knob? Nowadays, yeah. yeah. But before it was like checking with the DAW. Right. Uh, and click the mono there. Now I can just click a button on my monitoring and it sums to mono. Yeah. And I mean, that makes it better because yeah. then I don't forget. And when I print, it, it's in stereo. That makes sense. Oh, excuse me. Okay. So I had, I had another interesting thing. Uh, oh, no, I, I started 
I started talking about what happened to this band on the weekend. Oh yeah. We were, we got derailed with corporate <laughs> arguments. Well, and, and, and that was, that was Saturday. Yeah. Um, I followed that up by working with a punk band. Okay. On the weekend. Um, and they were a lot of fun at pop punk kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, teenage band. The oldest guy in the band was 17 years old, but they had a 30 something manager that was, um, didn't seem like he was in it for the money. He just wanted to see the kids have fun, enjoy themselves. Kind exactly. Of thing. Yeah. Cool. The three, three piece band, the, uh, the drummer and the bass player, um, legitimately phenomenal. And the drummer's 13 years old, like his, his stick control in hitting his drums is, is brilliant. And he hits harder than most grown ass men. Broke a cymbal while he was here, 13 years old. Tiny, tiny, skinny little guy. Yeah, well, you don't necessarily need to hit a cymbal hard. That's true. That's true. It's usually um, more important that you hit the, the drums hard to get those different tones. And Whereas he was, a cymbal, I don't know. There's certain... So there was a... Smashing a cymbal is not necessarily <laughs> the greatest sounding thing in the world. <laughs> That's true. Um, I, um, I had a couple of technical good things that happened with it couple of technical bad things that I fucked up and had to correct. Yeah. Um, the guitar player, brand new Les Paul, uh, like a 2016 Les Paul, and uh, a 1957 Fender Twin that he got from his grandmother. Stock tubes. Wow. It, yeah. And and so he he, he was running the, the Les Paul into a DS1. Okay. Into the Fender Twin. The Fender Twin only had one working speaker, too. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah. So this but thing's sounded, seen some... Sounded fantastic. It was thick. It was crunchy. Um, uh, it was just really great. Probably weighed a ton. You know what? I was really surprised. My, uh, my um, Blues DeVille mm-hmm. felt twice as heavy. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I picked it up expecting it to be heavy, and it was not even close to like not even not even the top ten heaviest amps I've ever picked up. Yeah, well, I was I was. There's some pretty damn heavy amps out there. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Um, AC thirty. I'm looking at you. <laughs> yeah, it didn't even come close to an AC thirty. Oh well, yeah. what does? Yeah, That's fair. <laughs> um, the AC thirty so damn heavy. They give you three handles to carry it with. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Um, favorite thing about the AC 30 is those handles. Yeah. I mean, at least they yeah. had the, the smarts about them to be like, this thing's fucking heavy. <laughs> yeah. If people are going to use this, they're going to at least need two people carrying it. Yeah. Although one person could carry it, they're just going to bitch and moan about it for like the 30 seconds that they're holding it because there's no way anyone's <laughs> going to carry that thing for longer than 30 seconds. Which is why they should all come with wheels. They should. Yeah. That'd make life so much easier, <laughs> especially in rentals. Um, so, uh, so they come in, <clears throat> excuse me, they come in, um, we do, we do set up. Um, I, Finally figured out, you know that huge boom stand in the back uh, for the overheads of the drums? Yeah. I finally put an elbow on the end of it so that we could get easier angle movement 
Okay, that's cool. And I finally got I finally got an XY over top of the drums that is perfectly centered snare kick drum cymbals. It was fantastic. Like with this with this session, I might actually just use overheads and kick. Oh, because it like it, it it just the toms. I mean, so it, it was really a good helps. It, it was a great balance, yeah. And now it really helps that the drummer was really good. Oh yeah, that's a ton of a huge benefit. But that's what I always constantly hear with some of the more experienced engineers who get to work with amazing players is like if the drummer's really good, you don't need all that many mics. Right. And, and, uh, we're talking with the new intern last night that, um, the one that you had to sit down and be like, don't talk to the client. You're talking too much. Just settle down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, we, so we were, we were talking, uh, about, um, about, uh, the engineering that went into the drums sounding that good. Right. And, Flat out came down to, I put up a couple mics and he sounded great because he sounds great. I could have put a microphone in the corner and he would have sounded great because he sounds great. <laughs> yeah. 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 The best, the most credit we get as engineers comes from the guys who are better at their instruments. That's just, that's just the way it is. Yeah. You know, assuming you don't fuck up the mix. Or do something like overcompress. Uh, I don't remember who it was. I think it might have been Eddie Kramer or one of those like legendary guys. But there was, he said something along the lines of, uh, in a session that he was a part of that did really well. He's like, oh, I was the least talented person there. My only job was to make sure I didn't fuck up and like, like distorted something when I shouldn't have, which is pretty easy not to do. So like, really I got a lot of credit because I just didn't red, uh, red light anything. Yeah. (laughs) The band did all the work. I just gave him a microphone to sing into. Yeah. I put a microphone somewhere in the vicinity of the guitar. (laughs) And somehow I got a lot of credit. Despite the fact that it was all the band. It was like, I remember hearing that and being like, oh, that, that's really cool. And, 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 it makes me... It, I've always disliked the people who, who try to make it sound like they can work magic to a band, with a band that's not all that great. But and I when I heard that, that I even discredited those people even more. Well, it's not to say that that's not a skill we all have to like know how to make a bad player sound better better than yeah. they actually are but there are some people who especially in the land of the internet <laughs> right there's there's like so many of these i guess younger engineers that constantly will like one of the last records i did i've had people say, oh, I could have done so much better. That band should have hired me. And it's just like, then I would like look at their credits and it's just like, oh, you've done like two songs. Like, no, you're just hungry for work. And you have this idea that because you went to school, you think you could do better. But the reality is, is you had no clue what I had to work with. Right. 
and you yeah. think you could have done better because it just didn't fit your particular tastes of mix. Well, and, and, and the best, the best engineering jobs are the jobs that don't sound engineered. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that, that's, that's the thing, you know, like we're Eddie Kramer's talking about not fucking things up. Yeah. You don't want to hear the stuff that he's doing. You want to make sure that you hear the band. And if that means, if that means fixing a drum performance because the drummer can't play in time, the idea is you want to make it sound like you didn't fix the drum performance. Yeah. Right. Which unfortunately is not a thing that these kids are doing these yeah. days. Like a lot of them are flat on the grid to the point where it's like, why did you record the drums in the first place? Had a drummer in here a couple of weeks ago. Um, he is a local country singer. Um, but more than just a country singer. Um, but does, his, does most of his own production work. Mm-hmm. Um, is used to playing on a drum electronic kit, I guess. Electronic kit. Yeah. Yeah. Those anyway, things come, are weird too. Came in, came in as a hired gun yep. for this session. Yep. Um, the singer of the session, they, like the guy that's paying for everything, he is a great bass player, country bass player, mm-hmm. and he's doing he's doing kind of like crossover country, alternative country kind of stuff. Um, and it's so pretty basic, but you know, like mm-hmm. know the parts. There's there's neat little turnarounds. There's you know. There's like a five, four bar randomly thrown in just to keep people on their toes type of thing as that's kind of cool. Yeah, it is kind of cool. Uh, I, I appreciate country guys for that kind of stuff. Not so much about their lyrical content, but yeah, that's whatever they, they know their audience. Exactly. And, um, so the drummer, the entire day, he talked about how it doesn't really matter anything that the engineer is going to do, how the drums sound, it's all going to be replaced with samples anyway. So he doesn't really care how he plays. And, and he, he cared about, he cared about what he played, like, so that the performance, the part was there, but he didn't care about playing well. And he didn't care about making things sound good. And Uh, and yeah, yeah, this sounds like somebody who's like, a part of the new school train of thought that and yet hasn't he's, like actually seen, like heard what a great performance does to yeah. a, a record. Like if you have a drummer who performs and incredibly well, they can add an energy to that song. I found out later in the day that he was a former um, professional touring drummer. Um, I think he auditioned once for to join Feist's band. Okay. Um, just to, to put perspective onto, like, he was probably pretty good to even get that audition, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so uh, my assumption is he would have, he would have given a shit about what he was doing. And I just, I didn't get, I didn't get the impression from him all day long that he really, really cared about um, what he was doing yeah. with this song. He liked or? the puppy more than the drums. Okay. Yeah, which is it, that's that's not hard. The puppy's super cute, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it was it was it was a frustrating, awkward um, thing because I'm, I'm I'm trying not to like I'm trying not to get involved because it's not even my session. Like it was another engineer that had rented the place to record drums and that. Yeah, but damn man, that uh, I hate that train of thought. 
Yeah. Well, and, and but that's, and it's so that's, common this day, these days of just like, Oh, we're, we're just going to replace the drums. And, and he's an older guy just, too. Yeah. Like he's, he, I, I don't want to say old. He, I would have, I would have guessed he'd be late forties. Okay. So easily from the generation where you had to know how, had to, know how to, to play. Do. Yeah. Uh, although I don't know, maybe, maybe he was always in a scene where, he was drum replaced in the studio all the time. It's, I mean, just, I do a lot of drum replacement and stuff, but like a lot of that's just because, because a lot of players these days aren't up to par. They're not, yeah, they're not yeah, doing the things not, that they should be doing. They're not, they're just, they're just not good enough. Yeah, or they didn't tune their drums and it's just like this, this kick drum, does not sit fit the song, so I have to replace it yep. to fit the song. Because yep. if I don't, they're going to be mad at me because <laughs> I didn't make their song sound like the way they want X Y Z record that they're trying to mimic. I'm really worried about that. I uh, I finished a I mostly finished a mix yesterday where they wanted a really the. Uh, huge, huge build and climax of a song that breaks down to, to like to nothing super intimate. Right. Mm-hmm. And the drummer arranged a part where it's, it's, it's snare drum on one kick drum on three. Although it might be one and one depends how you count. Like bar okay. one kick snare bar two kick drum, but one is super, super reverbed, super spacious. One of the kick drum to be big and boomy and, um, and then, and then a tambourine part in there as well. But the guitar, the guitar was strumming on the same, the same part that the, the same beat that the kick drum was. And I timelined them. I, 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 I timelined them. I played with compression. I played with different reverbs. I spent, probably spent an hour just trying to get that kick drum to sit right in the part. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that, worked for that part was getting rid of the kick drum. So I, I haven't shown the clients yet. I'm really worried that they're going to, they're going to say, like, where the hell is this? And I'm going to, and I'm, I'm going to have to tell them the intimacy of this part needed that kick drum gone. And so I can put it in there if you really want, but I don't think it belongs. This part is more impactful without it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting us sidetracked. Um, I wanted to talk about the band this weekend. Yeah. The punk band. So the biggest thing I wanted to talk about was they come in, I think it was Sunday. The bass player is still here, but he's definitely like lost some energy. Okay. Like he's not. Is this like a couple hours in? This is some time in. Yeah. Okay. He so pulls, it's understandable. Pulls the manager. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, pulls the manager aside and says, hey, can we talk privately for a minute? <laughs> okay. I didn't think anything of it. It was just like, okay, something they don't want me to hear about, which is fine. I mean, there's lots I don't need to know about. Yeah. You know? Like their finances. I don't need to know about their finances. Yeah. Um, and, and to, you know, all good. The, uh, they even, they even play around later. Um, the, the singer had taken a bag of peanuts and was trying to pour it into the bass player's mouth. And they were laughing about that, trying not to choke each other. Anyway, so apparently the bass player, that conversation was about the bass player quitting the band. 
Oh. Because they come back last night. And I'm like, where's the guy? And they're like, oh, well, he's not part of the band anymore. <laughs> what? He was just here yesterday. What, what's going on? What happened? <laughs> it was it was super... That's... It that was super weird. weird. Maybe that's because, like, I've been in, like, some serious bands where it's like, yeah. you quit, but that means you still have, like, a month or two left with the band. I guess he just dropped it on the band last night. Yeah, but even if you drop it on the band, it's like you. Sh- if you're going to be professional about it, what I guess these ga- guys are young, kids, right? so yeah. they don't understand like being professional musicians. Well, and if and if they have no if they have no gigs, right? I mean, I, I've I've been that guy yeah, in the okay. band, right? Yeah, if there's no gigs, then it yeah, it makes sense that you could just drop out because the last band I was in didn't have any gigs. It was yep. mostly just a we jam together kind of thing. And yeah. by the time, well, I was fired from the band, but the conversation <laughs> with the band leader was like, he was saying, oh, you, you don't seem like you're super into it like the rest of us. And like, I was like, you know what? I, I was thinking of quitting here soon anyway. So like, hey, uh, this is mutual, man. Let's just part ways. Agree to go separate ways. Yeah. 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 That's fair. Yeah. I've, I've, um, because I definitely wasn't into that band that much. Because this was after my whole LA thing. So it was right. just like, I don't want to be in a serious band again. Fuck that. <laughs> and these guys are like, oh, we're going to tour the States. So it's just like, I already did that. It sucks. <laughs> I, uh, I quit two bands. I, I've, I've quit, officially quit two bands um, in the last six years since I started this place. Um, and both times both times there were extra shows afterwards to play. And, you know, the, the deal I, I made with each of them was I will play the remaining shows up until the point where you find someone. Um, even, even, um, when I, when I left Monarch Sky, they found a replacement before that last show. Okay. Um, but he couldn't do that show. He couldn't do all of the songs. He just didn't physically have, uh, he probably could have, but he couldn't, he couldn't get, tight on all the songs okay. prior to the show. So, so you just were there well, and, and, while and what, he was learning how to Yeah, more or less, songs. right? Yeah. And what we what we decided to do was was let's just make an event out of it. James will play the first half and the new guy will play the second half, right? You know, yeah. just lay up the set list like that and and that it worked really good. Yeah. Yeah. I never really had a conversation with any of them afterwards, but whatever. Yeah. I've talked to a few of the guys from that last band ever like since. Yeah. Like a couple of them will ask me how I'm doing and then they'll ask me like, oh, I got this project that I want sound. How much would it be? And then I tell them like, this is roughly what I charge. Um, I understand if you think it's too much, but it's just right. what I have to charge in order to. In order to make this worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. And then they usually say, oh, that's fair. We can't afford yeah. you, but. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, they weren't the first band, this band on the weekend wasn't the first band to dissolve in the studio. Yeah, well, studio is a stressful place for bands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I, I'm trying to think of what the, what the last band to break up in the studio. Cause I've had a couple bands and for the life of me, I can't, I can't even remember if the details are right, 
But my memory suggests that one of the bands that broke up literally didn't finish their booked time. And two guys leave the band. The other two guys decide not to bother finishing it, but take the rest of the money that they'd already given me, Mm -hmm. plus whatever else they could come up with, to finish mixing the songs that they liked and abandon the other ones. Huh. And then never released. Whatever. Like, like, that sounds better than what most bands would do, I think. Because most bands would be like, oh, we're broken up. Let's just take the money and go. Yeah. But instead, they're just like, well, we'll take the money and invest it in the songs that we like. Just for us type of thing. Right. Which, that sounds awesome. But Yeah, I heard of a band down in Calgary that, uh, I, and I, I, I can't remember. Again, my brain is not working as far as names go. Um, Last Chance Heroes. Uh, something, uh, anyway, something Heroes. Band out of Calgary. They, they toured 24. 14, 2015, they toured almost solidly, solidly for close to a year. Um, s- recorded a seven song record in Winnipeg. Um, and I want to say like the beginning of May, end of April type of thing. But the studio didn't tell them that they weren't planning on mixing the record until September. The whole point of the whole point of recording the record in April or May was to have it released for the summer, so they'd oh. have something to tour with in the summer, right? Right. But the studio couldn't. The the, the studio didn't tell them that you know they're not going to mix it until September, and and the band clearly didn't make it make clear it to the, clear the, to studio, the studio that they, they, they needed it for the, the summer. summer. So so th- yeah, that that sounds like a that sounds more like a management problem because they had. They had management, like they had full time. Well, management issue and a communication issue all rolled up in one. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. So they a had lot a of miscommunication. They had there. a really stressful summer touring schedule. They played a lot of festivals. Um, two guys in the band were very single and very slutty, as you do when you're in a band. And two guys in the band, the other two guys in the band were um, in very long-term committed relationships. Okay. Um, and apparently not slutty at all. So it clashed. So it, yeah. So the, so now you add in this whole stress about the record. Um, and by the time they got the record, the record mixed, the two guys that were in long-term relationships decided to both just leave the band, but they were the band. It was the singer and main songwriter that left. Yeah. Okay. And and so naturally the band just like, just devolved, devolved. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I suspect that they would have now, maybe there were other issues going on because I certainly wasn't in the band. Yeah. But probably was, but I, I suspect that I suspect that had they had that record come out and seen some good success with it, that, uh, that they would have, they would have at least continued for significantly longer because they didn't last. It was, uh, 
Half Chance Heroes. That was the band. Half Chance Heroes. Okay. Like turtles in a half shell. Half <laughs> Chance Heroes, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, I, I think that's I think that's it. Well, no, no, right. They had they had a record before um, as a three piece. Then the drummer left midway through the tour that year, got replaced by the drummer that I knew, and then shortly thereafter, a guitar player, a second guitar player, joined them. So they became a four piece, and then they had this new batch of songs which they recorded. And that's then broke up, but okay. uh, yeah. It was the new guys that were the slutty guys. Okay. Yeah. Which is fair. I, mean, I tried to do that in my first tour too. <laughs> <laughs> I love that uh, tried part of that yes. sentence. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because nothing, nothing, not a, not a, my game didn't really develop until like my fourth tour. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so there was one other thing that I wanted to bring up today and it's going to take some thinking and processing on your part. I received one of the most cryptic emails I've ever received. Okay, let's read it. And yeah, I, I, I wanted to... Uh, <clears throat> So backstory to this, he, he goes into detail a little bit, but it took me a long time to make the connection. Okay. I started doing a $200 per song live in studio recording, um, offer. We we talked about that last week. So my first, uh, one of the first emails, maybe the first email I got in response to that was a guy saying, wonderful. This sounds great. Um, and I thanked him for it he proceeded to tell me about this producer engineer in Edmonton that nobody knows about, but the phone won't stop ringing because most of the work he does is in England. End of story prior to this email. I don't know anything about this guy. Oh, apparently he's got a nice Trident console. Okay. Yeah. I I know. Like just don't know what's going on. So that, that sounds like a weird thing to email somebody, but whatever. Right. And that's from the guy that's, that's, that's saying this $200 deal is a good deal. Yeah. Right. Okay. It is a good deal. It is. So, so then I get this email, um, and I, I, I don't know really where it's coming from, but it says, good day, Mr. Seabrook. You had email chat with so-and-so a fine BC musician that approached us for recording. I normally refer people to other studios when I am too busy. BTW, I have been in business in AB since 1978. I was one of the founding member slash supporter of Area, now AB Music, in the late 80s. Karis, the Juno Awards, CCMA, period. The Edmonton scene has always been great, but it is now a very pale shadow of what it used to be. Academia for me in the 90s. Nate, Athabasca, U, U of A, Waterloo, U. Diploma and degrees in IT, music, electronic, and physics. 
Currently a certified tone meister. I can be reached at if you have time in your busy schedule. Cheers. What? So the part that the part that really threw me for a loop that I didn't know how to receive, and, and I, I I fully the intend whole to, thing I don't know how to receive. I, know, I fully intend to um, to talk to this guy. Um, I've apparently had conversations with him because his email comes up in my email history. So, so I've had conversations talked to him before. I think. Anyway, so let me read this again. Um, good day, Mister Seabrook. You had email chat with so-and-so, fine BC musician, that approached us for recording. Easy enough to understand. Yeah. I normally refer people to other studios when I am too busy, period. Okay. That, that sounds like he okay. referred that person to you. But he didn't. That's the thing. This guy just saw me on Kijiji, but is still currently working with... The guy he's talking about is currently working with this producer engineer. Okay. Right. Confused. Um, okay. By the way, I have been in business in Alberta since 1978. I don't see why that matters, but whatever. Right. I like up to the, this point in the email, I have no idea who this guy is. So there's no reason for me to get a backstory because I don't know who he is to associate a backstory with. Right. Well, I, I'm just thinking of myself. I, I don't care what your backstory is. Yeah, there you go. Um, I was one of the founding member slash supporter of Aria, A-R-I-A, now known as AB Music, which I assume is Alberta Music. Okay. Um, in the early 80s. So I was a member supporter of Aria in the early 80s. Uh, comma, Karis, um, Canadian, Canadian Academy of Recording Arts. No. I don't know. Probably one of the okay. things I don't care about because it's like yeah, in, a meaningless awards it, thing. In brackets, it says the Juno Awards. Well, again, so, I don't yeah. care. Uh, CCMA, which is Canadian Country Music Awards. Yep. But there's no context to that. Like, I was one of the founding members slash supporter of Area well, in the early this 80s. This whole Karis. email just sounds like a guy bragging about things he's done. But I at the same time, it's just like, why do I care? I almost think it goes beyond that. And I'll, I'll get into that in a sec. But the Edmonton scene has always been great. Fair enough. But it is now a very pale shadow of what it used to be. Also true. Can't argue with that. That's a true statement. Academia for me in the 90s, which I assume means I went to school in the, this guy went to school in the 90s. Okay. That's how I translated it right. as well. And then he lists off his lists off one, two, his three, certificates. four different, uh, four his different pieces of paper. places. Yeah. Um, as a diploma and degrees in it music, electronics and physics. Okay. Excuse me. Well educated. That's awesome. I mean, sure. I wish I had, I wish I had more education than I have. Well, I have a piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I, I have a diploma. I have a diploma. Awesome. I can't remember if mine's a diploma or a degree. See, now here is the thing that confuses me the most. Currently a certified tone meister. I don't know what that means. And it, exactly, right? And not even spelled, not even spelled T-O-N-E meister, T-O-N meister. 
And ton I, master. Ton, ma- ton master. Ton master. Maybe <laughs> it works with big heavy things. Anyway, I wish we could dive into this more because I, I really, I, I'm going to reach out to this guy, but we got to well, go. So maybe next week we'll have a interesting our story. Hosts on Twitter at two bodies of water. You got that mic in a comfortable spot yet? I'm still working on it. At Joey R. Engineer. I can't even talk. I don't remember what my point was. This is a boring podcast. Um, I realize at the end of this, we didn't introduce ourselves. On to the internet you go. Go switch off.